Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Verse 20 says, And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow, what audacity. Jesus just enters the synagogue. He reads a passage and he says, this scripture has been fulfilled. As you were hearing it, this scripture has been fulfilled. This is how Jesus' ministry began at the age of 30. This is when it actually began. But before his big ministry began, there was this temptation for 40 days and it was important. It was important. See, just before Jesus goes into the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 specifically says, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. He did not go for a fasting prayer. He was led to be tempted. It was because he was tempted, he started fasting. Now, when he's being tempted, what is the temptation all about? If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. The devil is trying to make Jesus doubt his sonship. Is trying to make him doubt his identity. Because if that word that Jesus just received from Jordan, which was heavens open, and when Jesus was being baptized, he heard this, that you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If the devil could make Jesus forget that, make Jesus lose sight of that word that he had just received, the devil knew he, he would have won. The devil knew that he would have, you know, he would have defeated the purpose of Jesus. This whole temptation is to doubt him, is to confuse him of his identity. If you are the son of God, why? Because that's the word that he got. You are my beloved son. So Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. But after the end of the temptation, it says, verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. From the fullness of the Spirit to the power of the Spirit. That journey from fullness to power, that journey, that journey is going through challenges, going through obstacles, defeating the devil. This part is prophetic, which I'm sharing with you guys. A new season has begun. A shift has happened. But before you step into that new season, you will be tested. You will be tested. A test is important. You know, when a child is completing from grade 5 to grade 6, he has to finish a test. Because that test certifies that the season that he was in, he has been equipped to go to the next season. If he, You have to understand this. The test is very important because if he is not equipped, the next season might crush him. So the test is important because it shows you where you are in your walk with God. It shows you. It's not to condemn you. 
It's not to really torture you. It is there to show you where you are in your walk with God. And if you have failed, it means you have to repeat it again so that you can equip yourself for the next season because what lies ahead in the next season is greater than all the challenges that you have faced in this season. So the test is God's grace as well. To show to you, I know where you stand, but do you know where you stand? I know that I am faithful. But do you know that I am faithful? You say that I am faithful, but do you know how faithful I am? So the test reveals, it's, it's a report card that reveals to us, oh, how much do I trust God? Do I really trust Him? Yes, I say all of these words. Yes, I do all of these things and I can worship and I can raise my hands and I can sing songs, but the test truly reveals a progress card of how much we really trust God. So if you have failed in the test, don't worry. You have another chance. The Israelites went 40 years around the mountain because they kept failing the test. But I have more hope for you. Come on, <laughs> come, on come with me. Genesis chapter 22. It's one of my favorite passages. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Are you with me, guys? Genesis 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Look at that prompt response. God says, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Maybe he didn't know what was going to follow. 22 verse 1, it begins after these things. After what things? When you read such phrases, you have to ask yourself, what is he talking about? After what things? Abraham's call happens in Genesis 12. God calls Abraham in Genesis 12. What's the call? Go into the land that I will show you. Go out of your kindred. Go out of your family. Right? Genesis chapter 12 is when God calls Abraham. From Genesis 12 to Genesis 22 is the journey that Abraham has with God. He's just trusting God. God says, move, he moves. But recently what has happened is, if you read Genesis chapter 21, Abraham finally has a child and his name is Isaac. All these years, Abraham was waiting for a son. For a child, Abraham and Sarah were, Abraham was actually 75 years old when God called him. And it was at the age of 100 that Abraham has Isaac. For 25 years, they trusted God for one promise that God gave. 25 years. And we get tired after trusting him for six months. 25 years. Wow. Perseverance. 25 years of trusting God and at the age of 100 is finally when Isaac arrives. But do you know, those 25 years, Abraham was not all the time faithful. There were many tests that came in front of him and he failed. And he had to repeat again and again. One of the tests was, there was famine in the land and Abraham immediately decided, let's go to Egypt. 
And as they were going to Egypt, he tells his wife, don't tell people that you're my wife. Tell them that you're my sister. Why? Because his wife was beautiful and he was scared that he might get killed on account of her. So he lies about his wife. And the story says that God comes and rescues Abraham and preserves their marriage. It is God. In that whole passage, you never see God accusing Abraham of lying. Question. Was Abraham trusting God when he went to Egypt? Was Abraham trusting God when he lied? But immediately what you see is God rescues them and God renews his promise to him. And you see this pattern all throughout that every time Abraham fails to trust in God and he does something absolutely ridiculously stupid, God comes to him and renews his promise to him. Abraham, do you remember? This is my promise to you. He renews his promise. I understand if Abraham did the mistake once, but he does it again. There was famine again, and he goes to the land of the Philistines, I believe, and while he is going to King Abimelech, he tells his wife, don't tell anybody that you're my wife. And God again protects him. You can't make sense of it. The faithfulness of God. Every time Abraham fails to trust God, God comes and renews his vows, renews his promise. Abraham, don't lose sight. Every time you think you have blowed the promise of God, every time you've missed the promise of God, God comes reaffirming his promise to you. Renews the promise. And you know what's the best thing? If you, if you read from Genesis 12 to 22, every time God renews his promise, the promise becomes better and bigger. Better and bigger. But one of the biggest failure that Abraham had was when he heard his wife Sarah for the first time in his life and he obeyed her. Sarah said, why don't you have a child with my maidservant? And Abraham said, yes, ma'am. What was happening? Abraham taking a shortcut into God's promise. They have a child. His name is Ishmael. Ishmael is the firstborn of Abraham. And in Genesis 21, after Isaac is born, Sarah sees Ishmael and despises him. He gets irritated because he's laughing and he tells Abraham, get that slave woman and her son out of this house because he will not be an heir to my son. He will not share inheritance with my son. And it really upsets Abraham. But God tells Abraham, listen to your wife. So this is what has happened right now. Okay. After these things, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. Why does he test Abraham? This time, when God calls Abraham, he has no promises. His agenda is clear. Because I think, Abraham, I think you are equipped to be tested. When you are tested, is a sign that God finds you equipped. His agenda is clear. In Genesis 21, you see how Abraham and Isaac have been blessed with this son. What is his name? Isaac. And he's going to test them. Come on, 
Come with me to verse 2. Genesis 22, verse 2. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Underline that phrase, your only son whom you love. Take your son, your only son. Question, is Isaac the only son of Abraham? Then why does God say, take your son, your only son? You know why? Because Ishmael is Abraham's biggest failure in trusting God. Ishmael is the certificate for Abraham that he has failed. Is a report card that he has failed in trusting God's promise. He took a shortcut. He did what he could do in his flesh without trusting God. God is very intentional in how he speaks to us. When he speaks to us, he does not speak to us based on our failures. He speaks to us based on his promise. There were two sons that Abraham had. The son Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac is the son that was born out of flesh. That's what Paul says. Sorry, Isaac is the son that was born out of the promise. Ishmael was the son that was born out of the flesh. One born out of the slave woman, the other born out of the free woman. God is completely ignoring Ishmael. Why? Because he, when he speaks to us, he does not speak to us through the failures that we have made. He speaks to us through his promises or what he sees in your life. That's why when he says, hey, you are blessed, you are chosen before the foundations of the world, it does not make sense. What are you saying? You are highly favored. Doesn't make sense. Why? Because he's not looking at you through your failures, but that's how we see ourselves. He looks at you through his promises. He looks at us through the ability of what his word can do in our life. He does not look at us through what you can do. His word is able. So he look at he looks at us through his promises. That's why he says, take your son, your only son, Isaac. God is so intentional. But then read the next phrase which says, whom you love. Do you know the word love over here mentioned is the first time that is mentioned in the whole of Bible. It took 22 chapters for the love to appear, for the word love to appear. There's, there's this guideline when you interpret scriptures. It's called the law of first mention, which says every time you interpret scriptures, find the first time that where that word was interpreted. Because the first time when that word is interpreted, that's, that's the time when it is interpreted the most clearly and most it's, it's the most simpler interpretation on which you can build more of our doctrines. Whom you love, it's a, very, it's a very intentional phrase that God uses. Somewhere, God trying to communicate to Abraham that you love him more than you love me. 
you waited for him for so many years, 25 years, you waited for him. I get that. Your son, your only son, whom you love, you love him more than me. This test is the test of love. God is testing Abraham to see whom do you love? Do you love me more than your son? And that's why he says, take your son, your only son whom you love and sacrifice him. Will you give your son to me? I said, there's a shift in the season. And what stops us from moving into the next season is the blessing that we received in the previous season. And God sometimes tests us by saying, hey, will you give me that blessing? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? That promotion that you are waiting for, now that has become the hindrance. That job that you've been praying for passionately, now that has taken away all the passion that is there in your life. If we are not careful enough, the blessings can crush us. See, these wires that carry electricity, the capacity at how much load that they can carry, the power of electricity that they can carry is dependent on the quality of that wire. If you give more than it is required, you can just burn the wire. And sometimes God, out of his grace, he says, hey, will you give me that blessing? Because I want to prune you. And we realize, God, you gave me this. You gave me this ministry. You gave me this opportunity. You gave me this promotion. You gave me this wife. And now you are saying, give it to me. What does that mean? What does that mean? But look at Abraham, how he responds. It is not a coincidence, guys, that God uses that word, son whom you love. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Do you know before this, I've never seen, I've never seen this. This came into light yesterday when I saw that Abraham rose early. He could have just rose in his usual time. He rose early. He had many servants, but he saddled his own donkey. Do you see that? He, had, he could have told anybody, hey, can you just cut the woods? Abraham was so rich that nations were afraid of him. So you can imagine the kind of wealth that he had. He had servants. But he doesn't tell his servants to do the job. He does it. Why? Like King David says, I don't want to offer God something that does not cost me. Immediate response with preparation. He wakes up early. He saddles his donkey and he cuts the wood. He could have get the job done, but look at the posture of his heart. What he does in actions shows the posture of his heart. How, how, how much important it is for him to obey what God has just told him to do. Look at the posture of his heart. Now, we'll jump to verse 10. Finally, they have reached to land Moriah. It's been three days. It took 
three days of journey. On the third day, they finally reach there. And Abraham is all set. Okay, let's read from verse 9. Verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. That means Abraham was all prepared. He had no second thoughts. I have no idea how he did it. Seriously. He was, he was prepared. He would have killed him. God said, give me your son. Yes, God. I have no idea how you do that. But look at this. But the angel of the Lord called to him from, Ab from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Did you see something? Look at the last phrase. It says, withheld your son, your only son, does not say the word whom you love. He missed it. Did it intentionally. Why? Because now God is saying, I truly know. That you love me more than your son. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now God is saying for Abraham so loved God that he gave his only son. No wonder he's called man of faith. The father of faith. How do you do that? It's insane. How was Abraham able to do? He waited for that promise 25 years. And now God is saying, I truly know that you love me. How did Abraham do it? How was he able to do it? Can I show you something very interesting? Jump with me to verse 19. This is after the entire episode. So Abraham returned to his young men. So here, here's the story, okay? Before they go up the mountain, Abraham tells his young men, his servants, don't come with us. Me and the lad will go. Me and the son will go. We'll do the sacrifice and we'll come back. We'll come back after the worship. So the servants are waiting there because Abraham knew if he took the servants, they would stop him because what he's doing is absolutely ridiculous. So he does not take them. But look at here. He says, so Abraham returned to his young men. Where is Isaac? Did he leave Isaac on the mountain? Where is Isaac? Do you know where Isaac is? Hebrews 11, the author of Hebrews says, 11 verse 17. Hebrews 11 verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which Listen to this. Figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. That verse which says then Abraham returned to his young men, skipped Isaac purposefully to show us that Abraham in his heart had killed Isaac. That love for Isaac that was greater than God, he had actually sacrificed it. How did he do it? 
That's my question. How did Abraham do it? How do you sacrifice your son? How do you sacrifice that promise, that blessing that God himself gave you? You waited patiently for 25 years. How did you do it, Abraham? Don't you wonder? I, I, I used to read this passage because it was very close to my heart. Because just before I started the ministry, there was something that the Lord was asking me to do. A long time ago. And it, it was through Genesis 22, he was just speaking to me, give me that, give me that. And I was like, God, you told me, you told me to do this and now you're asking me to give you back. This was something that you asked me to do and now you are taking it back from me. It was a tussle that I was having. And I was reading this passage then back in 2013 and I was wondering, how did Abraham do it? How did Abraham sacrifice that love that was unhealthy? Sacrifice that love for Isaac that was greater than God. How was he able to do it? You know how? First John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. Abraham was madly in love with God because he knew God was madly in love with him. He knew that God was madly in love with him. How did he know? Because all those 25 years that he journeyed with God, every time he fell, God would come to him faithfully and say, Abraham, I haven't forgotten you. I remember you. I renew my promise to you. I renew my promise to you. Every time, every time Abraham thought he blew it, God would renew his promise. Renew his promise. Renew his promise to a point that God came to him in person and said, hey, I still see you. I still see you. That's why when Abraham is sacrificing that lamb, replacing Isaac, he says, on this mount of the Lord, the Lord shall provide, which also means the Lord shall see. I think one of the biggest blessings that Abraham had in his walk with God was just to know that he was seen by the Lord. He was seen by God. So it, he knew that in spite of all the mistakes that he has done, in spite of all the times that he has been unfaithful, God has always been faithful. So if God has been faithful, God is able to raise him from the dead. If God has been faithful, the promise of God that through Isaac, your offspring shall be. Then he knew in his heart that God would raise him from the dead. That faith that he had, he had because he knew that he was loved by God. Faith works by love. You can't trust somebody if you don't know if they love you. How can you trust somebody? Abraham has finally been convinced that God loves him. That God cares for him. That God's promises will always come true in his life. That's why he put his faith on God. His faith is a response to knowing how much God loves him. Our faith is a response to knowing how much God loves us. 
So if you are struggling with faith, if you're struggling being faithful, if you're struggling seeing Jesus, if you're struggling loving Jesus, if you're struggling worship, ask yourself this, do you know how much he loves you? Romans 12 verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, my brethren, in view of God's mercies, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. How do you offer yourselves as living sacrifice? In view of God's mercy. You see God's mercy. You taste his mercy. You taste his love. You will automatically offer yourself as living sacrifice. Automatically. Are you guys blessed? Okay. Let me show you something. Isaiah 6 was 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. If you had to decipher a spiritual meaning from that verse, what would you understand? In the year the King Uzziah died, Prophet Isaiah saw the Lord. Certain kings need to die for you and me to see the Lord high and lifted up. Isaac was the king of Abraham, in a sense, king of his heart. Certain kings need to die in our heart for us to see the Lord high and lifted up. For Mary and Martha, it was probably Lazarus. They had to see Lazarus die for them to see the glory of Jesus. That's why I'm telling you, sacrifice test is very important. Because it certifies where you stand in knowing how much faithful God is. So don't be discouraged if you fail the test. You have another chance. But if you do pass, know that you are entering a new season. You don't have to do anything for salvation. We are saved absolutely by grace through faith. But if you want to be intimate with God, it will require all of you. You can be saved by doing nothing. Just by believing Jesus. But if you want to be his friend, it will take everything that you have. All of God will require all of you. Psalms, 24, Psalms 25 verse 14 says, The friendship of the Lord are for those who fear him. The meaning of the word fear is not being afraid of him punishing, the meaning of that fear is fear that comes out of genuine honor, genuine reverence, genuine awe and wonder. The friendship of the Lord is for those who honor him, deeply honor him, who deeply value him. Here the test for Abraham was, Abraham, how much do you honor me? How much do you value me? How much do you deeply love me? Wherever Whatever level or stature of journey that you are at, whatever degree of glory that you are at, can I encourage you by saying there's more. There is more. You can never remain content where you are. There is more in God. Push forward. What it is, what it is that you need to prune in your life, what it is that God needs to prune in your life, what is it that God is asking you it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Can I show you the beauty? 
Come back to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Every test, let me rephrase, every blessing is a test. Every blessing that you have is a test. But every test has a greater blessing. This promise that Abraham just received, he has never received before. And God says, because you have done this, because you have not withheld your son, I'm going to do this for you. This promise that Abraham just got is the promise of Jesus. Because he says, through your offspring, all nations shall be blessed. He's talking about Jesus. See, Abraham was probably satisfied, content in receiving Isaac. But God was seeing more. He sees multi-generational he sees so much more you know you know why god did all of this i know this sounds insane right god asking for a sacrifice it sounds insane but do you know why god all of, did all of this because god is telling abraham because you've done this you have prophetically declared the coming of my son because you've done this do you know that Mount Moriah, where Isaac was going to get sacrificed, and Golgotha are very close? They are in the same neighboring land. And God is saying, this is a picture of my son's sacrifice. Your son does not have to die because my son will take his place. And, he, and he's telling Abraham, because you have done this, you have given me permission. Because you, you understand this, right? God does not do anything without the permission of man. Not that he can't do anything, but because the authority of the earth has been given to man, he partners with man to do anything on the earth. And he says, because you have done this, you have given me the authority to partner with you to bring salvation to mankind. Abraham's sacrifice was a prophetic declaration of the sacrifice that was about to happen so many years later. So many years later. And that's why Every time God comes and renews the promise to Abraham, he, he did not give this promise on the first go. He reveals the promise gradually, reveals the intensity, the degree of the glory that is there in the promise gradually. If you have received a promise, can I just tell you, it's just a glimpse of what God has for you. If you trust in him, if you continue to trust in him, if you know how faithful he is, you stay in his word. Continue to believe what God has for you. Every test will receive. Every test has a greater blessing to be unveiled. Genesis chapter 22 is the last passage where you see God speaking to Abraham. God is concluding his conversation with Abraham. God began his conversation in Genesis 12 saying, Go, go out into the country that I show you. 
Genesis 22 begins by go out into the land of Moriah and sacrifice your son. He's concluding, but he's concluding with a greater promise saying, Abraham, your story does not end. You know, people who have trust God, they, even after they have died, they still remain alive. God has immortalized their work, their accomplishments, their acts of faith. Your faith, the faith, the obedience of faith, what follows through the obedience of faith remains through generations after generations. That's why these people, you know, these people whom we call the giants of faith, David, Joshua, Moses, they still remain in our memories because they believed God. They trusted God. We are definitely entering a new season. But the test is to sacrifice whatever takes importance, whatever is preeminent than God. And you will do this willingly if, if you know who loves you, if you know who has called you, if you know who is faithful. You know, like Jesus told the Samaritan woman, only if you knew who was speaking to you, you would have asked him of living water. Only if you know who is calling you. Only if you know who, who, has, who has invested into your lives. You will just leave that in a second. In a second. It's, pruning is never easy. Pruning is painful. But it is good. Say with me, pruning is good. Pruning is good. Because I don't want anything in my life that distracts me from God. That distracts me from His love. I don't want anything in my life be it ministry. Uh, are you blessed? Yes. 